Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Next One Up podcast. We are here with Art Burke, adjunct professor at Montclair State in the School of Communications and Media, and Rutgers as well in the Global Sports Business Master's program. He's had a great career in the sports industry, and we're very excited that he's here. Thank you so much for joining us, Art. Hi, Carly. How you doing? Hi, Gianna. Hi, it's great to have you. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday. I'm really happy to be here to talk with you. Yeah, we're super excited um, to get into speaking with you about your career and things like that. I think we're going to focus a lot today on Sports Illustrated, so I know you spent a lot of time there. But to begin with, sure. we'd love to hear a little bit about your sports career overall, just kind of a synopsis and maybe some of the highlights of your sports career. Sure. Um, I grew up in Gary, Indiana where the Jacksons grew up. Very proud to say that. <laughs> um, and I went to college at Indiana University, majored in journalism. Uh, when I got out, um, I had a six month tour uh, in the army. It was during the Vietnam era. Um, so I went to basic training and advanced training. And then for the next six years, I was in the reserves. Um, when I came out, I worked for the Indianapolis Star newspaper. Um, then went to New York to work on a football newspaper that no longer exists. Um, and then I went to Columbus, Ohio, and I developed a sports encyclopedia for kids, which was um, really a fun thing. And then and then I changed um, my focus, wanting to be more in the front office and sports and, you know, communications, public relations, marketing, that kind of thing. Um, and through a series of events, um, I began at Major League Baseball. Um, I tell I tell my students that you have to take advantage of every opportunity. Um, I did at a sports seminar that um, I was told it's fruitless. There's no reason you should go. Um, and I went and I spent about two hundred dollars, and I was I was making fourteen thousand dollars a year at that point. So, so $200 was a lot of money. Um, and what happened, I got back from the weekend at the seminar and nothing happened. And then six months later, I got a call from Major League Baseball. And the person that was running the seminar gave my name um, to Major League Baseball. And I was there for five years. I was at ABC Sports uh, for eight and then Sports Illustrated for almost 20 uh, and then after Sports Illustrated, I did some freelance blogging and writing for the White Sox, okay. um, my beloved Chicago White Sox, <laughs> and uh, and I've been teaching ever since. That's awesome. Um, it's really great how like you talk about how you were able to pivot your career, and I think that's like really cool to hear. Um, and you've done so many interesting things as well. So I'm sure like you have a ton of knowledge to impart onto your students every day. Well, I try um, in my philosophy of teaching and frankly, a lot of my um, counterparts, um, not so much at Montclair State, but at Rutgers, um, they don't necessarily think I'm teaching in the right way. They, I teach in a very real world kind of situation where because I come from the real world and I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not an academic. Mm -hmm. I think the students need to know the, what is really going on out there and not just, you know, read a textbook. And really, there, I've never used a textbook um, because I have a lot of guest speakers, 
and they become my textbook. They become the real world of sports and the students are able to connect with them, build their own network. And everybody I bring in is always very happy to help the students. So that's really been my philosophy. Um, and I would say, you know, it's interesting, you're talking about my career and it, it was terrific. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, uh, the, re the rewards that I've gotten from my 10 years of teaching is probably the most rewarding in my whole career. Just because I'm seeing, like uh, a lot of my students are now coming back as guest speakers mm -hmm. because they've achieved something in the sports world and they're they're on the young side, so they can really relate to the young students. Um, it's really hard for me to bring in my contemporaries because everybody they mention, the students never heard of, oh. or things have changed so much. It's really important for me to add the youth um, element to my classes. I think that's a really good call out too, because I love that you bring in the real world application for those students, because like you're saying, time, times change so rapidly. And in the modern world, things are constantly changing with that youth, with the youth, that youth, I sound, whatever. You're <laughs> one of them. I know, I know, <laughs> which is crazy to think about because I even think like, you know, when we were at school, like coming from Drexel and having that real world application in our classes was so important, you know, for moving into, you know, this this world that we live in today. Yeah, it's important. And I and I think one thing that's not stressed enough is uh, being on time mm -hmm. and showing up and eye contact. And if you're doing an in-person interview, um, firm handshake. Yep. Um, a, a friend of mine once was asked, what's the most important thing about an interview? And he said, shine your shoes. Mm. And, and to me, it was symbolic of just do all the little things mm -hmm. so that's going to separate you. If you come in and your shoes are dirty and your shoelaces are untied, what does that say about? I mean, that's just a symbolic example, but it made a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. That first that first day, that first impression, I'm going to call it, like everyone says, is just so important, um, especially right. with anyone. Um, pivoting a little bit, I, I want to talk more about, um, your experience with an adjunct professor a little bit later, but right now I want to talk about sure. your experience working at Sports Illustrated. You were there for 20 years, um, as the VP of communications. Could you go a little bit into like what that experience was like for our listeners and also selfishly, because I'm very curious as well. Okay. I'm happy to. Well, I think the bottom line here is, is that one of my goals in college was to work at Sports Illustrated as a writer. Okay. Um, however, I wasn't good enough as a writer. And that's one of the reasons why I switched my focus to a more promotion communications bent, because I figured, you know, if you can either write or you can't. I mean, I could do cartwheels on the Empire State Building, and I'm not going to be a great writer. Mm -hmm. However, if there's 10 things you need to do to be a good PR person and you do seven really good, um, two okay and one fair, you still can be really good. Mm -hmm. And and that was sort of in my mind mindset in doing that. So 
here I am at Sports Illustrated where I wanted to be a writer, but because I switched and I sort of had this self-awareness of who I was, um, I was able to spend a lot of time there um, overseeing all the publicity, um, mm -hmm. doing big events. I was able to go to eight Olympic games. Um, all, all that, all those experiences, um, meeting my childhood idols, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you should never be jaded about, even though you have to be a professional, right? you never should be jaded about that because you think about when you were a kid and if you were able to meet your high school hero or your childhood hero, how great would that be? Um, and it's happened to me. And um, I've been able to do a lot of great public relations and promotion of Sports Illustrated, and, as well as serving as a spokesperson. Mm -hmm. And and we have to know who's your childhood hero that you got to meet. Well, actually, it's a good story, if if I may. Of course. Um, my favorite player in high school was a baseball player that most people don't know, but his name is Pete Ward. He was a third baseman with the Chicago White Sox. He was um, a good player for a couple of years and then got injured. Uh, there was just something about him that, and, and it's funny, but I've talked to other people um, over the years and they had the same connection with him. There was just something about him that was sort of magnetic. Anyway, um, I was at Sports Illustrated and my lucky number is eight because he was number eight. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of my, I shouldn't say this publicly, but a lot of my codes and passwords have eights in them. <laughs> we'll keep this um, secret. <laughs> but he meant, he meant the world to me, right? So I'm at Sports Illustrated all these years later, sitting at my desk and my boss comes in and said, there's a guy named Pete Ward who's in the lobby. And he's, he said that he was supposed to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated but at the last minute, a Muhammad Ali fight took over. And even though in those days, the cover was printed um, a couple of weeks ahead of time. So the cover was printed, but it, it never really appeared on the newsstands or for subscribers. Oh, I... So he was wanting to know all these years later, do you have different, do you have any copies of those lying around? Because he was running a, he lives in Port, Portland, he lived in Portland, Oregon, and he had a travel agency and he wanted to give them, he wanted to sign them for his, his customers, right? So I couldn't help him. I gave him another photo. Mm -hmm. And then about a month later, he was able to find three and he gave me one signed. He sent me one sign. That's amazing. Now, now. Even more significant than that, and this is one of the great things of my life, is that we became friends and our wives became friends. And we, we uh, he passed away two years ago, but before he had passed away, um, my wife and I went out and stayed with them in Portland, Oregon, and spent a few days with them. And even to this day, um, I keep almost weekly, I keep in touch with his wife, um, who's this wonderful woman. And I've actually gotten to know her more over the years than, than Pete. Um, and it's sort of, it's sort of culminated in, um, the last couple years, 
of his life, he was uh, suffering from dementia. Mm -hmm. I sent a postcard with a baseball hall of famer on it every week. Oh, I love and that. at his funeral service, unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to go, mm -hmm. but I was able to watch it um, mm -hmm. online. Is um, his wife actually mentioned mm -hmm. in her eulogy um, how devoted I was with ninety-one postcards over two years? So that that yeah, it's it's heartwarming and it's so meaningful to me. Um, and uh, I don't care if people don't know who Pete Ward is; I know who he is. <laughs> That's an incredible story absolutely incredible yeah and they tell you don't meet your heroes but that well otherwise well you know what's interesting i wrote i wrote a story on the white Sox website after my trip after we stayed with pete and his wife and i actually said that carly in the at the end of the story but i said uh, i was fortunate because my 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 guy turned out to be great you know <laughs> but but that's that's good insight right that's that's incredible. Um, just going off of that, that great story, is there any specific covers that stuck out to you, your time there? Um, anything that like your favorite cover might be that you have a connection to or that you just really enjoy? Well, this this is a, um, a women in sports uh, podcast. Can I mention the swimsuit issue? <laughs> yes, you can. Yes. Okay, because <laughs> I know how controversial it is and I had a deal with the controversy all those years I was there. Sure. Um, my, my favorite cover is of um, three very popular models at the same time, because the first and only time the edit, I suggested the cover billing. I, I said the dream team. <laughs> and, and so I, I was responsible for that cover. So that's one of my favorites. Um, a lot of the Michael Jordan covers I really loved. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting. You ask what the favorite is. You know, every week um, when the magazine came out and you put it in your hands, it's like when authors get the published book in their hands for the first time. Yeah. Um, it was it was a special occasion for us at the magazine when each week it came out. Um mm -hmm. It was a it was a sort of a special time. So so every week you would have a different favorite cover. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, there were a couple that you didn't like, but most of them were were beautiful. Yeah, I was going to ask, like going off of that, what were those feelings that were associated that you can remember with seeing those covers that um, you know you had such an involvement with? Is it is is it pride? What does it look like for you? Yeah, it does. You know, it's at Sports Illustrated. Um, when you leave the magazine, the tradition is um, to frame um, your first and your last cover, okay. right? It's it's sort of a nice tradition. Mm -hmm. However, in my case, um, was a little different because I'm a huge White Sox fan, and my last week there, the Cubs were on the cover, okay. and that's not happening to me. <laughs> and and then. And Jose Canseco, who was the guy that exposed all the drug problems in baseball, was on the first cover. So what I have on what I have framed is sort of my life um, through the Sports Illustrated cover. I've got the first cover that I ever saw. I've got um, 
Indiana basketball on mm -hmm. the cover. I've got um, that swimsuit cover I mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and the sportscaster, Howard Cosell. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with him? He was very popular. Um, you know, my students never heard of him. So I <laughs> that's why I asked the question. Um, yeah. I've got when Howard was I worked with him for four years. Yes. And when, yeah. when Howard when Howard was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, that's up there. And in the middle is the commemorative issue that we put out when the White Sox won the World Series oh. for the first time in 88 years. That's incredible. So, so it was uh, th that's what I've got is my best memento. That's great. That's really amazing. And I'm sure you look at that like every day and appreciate it. Yeah, it, it is. It, it brings back great memories. Yeah. One other memory, you guys might not know who the people are, but I think it will, it will strike a chord with you is that um, we had an event for our 35th anniversary mm -hmm. and um, we had the heroes of 1954, which that was the first year Sports Illustrated started. And there was a boxer named, a heavyweight champion named Archie Moore. He was there because he was a hero of 1954. And then we had Archie Griffin, who was a football player with Ohio State, who's the only one to win two Heisman trophies. Anyway, Archie Griffin goes up to Archie Moore and said, I've been waiting my whole life to meet you. My mother named me after you. Oh. And I just thought that was such wow. a special moment um, of bringing the generations together. I think that's, that's absolutely incredible. incredible with everything. Yeah. Merging the generations is, is important. <laughs> we, have, we all have to talk to one another. Yeah. That's yeah, a wild exactly. story though. That's, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a great I, story. I wanted to ask something. So as some background, I work in the marketing field and I've transitioned from digital marketing to more of a traditional role. And something that really popped out to me recently was Sports Illustrated and their shakeup in the news. Um, and as it relates to their um, publications and their future is kind of uncertain at this time as we're moving into a digital era. Um, I wanted to ask you, what was your reaction to this news? Horrible. Mm -hmm. Um as I've gotten to think about it, one of the things I think is that I'm so fortunate. I was there in the heyday. Um, I was there when it really mattered. And, I, you know, I think that the current ownership and the people involved, they really screwed up. Mm -hmm. But if you go back to people that I work for, my bosses in the 1980s and 1990s, mo mostly in the 90s, obviously, when digital became prominent, they they didn't they either didn't take it seriously, or they felt that, or they didn't know what the heck to do. Right. But, but they have blood on their hands that they didn't have. I mean, it's the changing landscape, and who knows what could have done, because long form writing and still photography isn't what is happening these days. Mm -hmm. However. Um, the brand name shouldn't be on resorts and it shouldn't be on um, clothing and all that kind of thing. Um, it was, you know, wonderful photography, the best writing, not only in a sports magazine, but the best writing you could find anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's fallen apart. And 
to think what once was is it's very sad. But Do again, you... I'm I feel fortunate that I was able to experience the good times. Right. Do you think that um, you mentioned the brand? Do you think do you think that the brand took a negative impact in like I would say maybe the last five to ten years, and that was ultimately kind of what led to this, or you think they're separate? Well, I think the I think the brand took a hit mm -hmm. when electronic media and then digital media um, took over. Mm -hmm. um, you know, young people, and I I just see my students; they don't read. They don't read, and if they do read, they read their alerts on their phone. Mm -hmm. They don't read long form, beautiful prose. Mm -hmm. um, they're not into still photography. They're into dancing on TikTok. Um, it's a whole different world. And so Sports Illustrated doesn't mean what it did because what they did um, isn't valued anymore. Mm -hmm. But I, I would think that there was something that could have been done years and years ago with some foresight, some vision, and it, it never came. Um, and and, 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 we're in the, and, and what's so, sort of unfortunate is that all these people that didn't make these right decisions are now taking, you know, laughing all the way to the bank. Right. Because they made so much money. Um, with golden parachutes and they're they're living the life but what they but they they should be thinking that they 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 screwed this up and their blood is on their hands right do you do you think and this is i'm taking this a little bit further so let me know if this is again a little bit too deep with this but do you think you mentioned that something could have been done years ago do you do you have any idea of what that could have been? Like, is it potentially like them working digital more into their overarching comm strategy? Or what are you thinking? Well, when when the internet started to explode, there should have been people then that said, we're long form writing and still photography. Mm -hmm. We instead of worrying about meeting our our monetary goals every six months, mm -hmm. every quarter. Let's think in the future and maybe let's invest. In the early, in uh, probably in the mid 80s, Time Inc., which owned Sports Illustrated, was approached to buy ESPN. Mm, wow. No foresight. Now, if they had done that, they wouldn't have made their quarterly numbers Mm -hmm. but maybe they'd still be alive and thriving today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, what could we have done, but nobody actually knows for sure if it would have panned out or no, not. And, and you know, in all fairness, maybe it was an impossible thing to do. I mean, Time Magazine is no longer what Time Magazine was. Right. Um, you know, the Mac, you know, women's magazines are thriving. Um because of the nature of of the what they cover, but magazines in general, I mean, nobody reads magazines anymore. Right. right. You know. Do you think it's possible that they? I mean, when you talk about Sports Illustrated and even what it means for like our generation now, like we still think of Sports Illustrated and what it was, and we think about like those amazing covers and those articles and things like that. Do you think there? Excuse was, me, Carly. Like, do you yeah. guys? Do you guys? Um, Value Sports Illustrated, were you still in a generation 
that valued it and maybe read it. Yeah, um, I really think that we were still like on the cusp of that. Yeah, I yeah. would I would agree with Carly by saying that our generation is it's kind of a funky one yeah. in like that late half of the 1990s where you know we were in the digital era, but then we were still using print media. Right. Like, like, like right. I think that we're still nostalgic about it, even though we were kind of the generation that was on the way out with it. Right. Um, but at the same time, I feel like the idea that like I don't like the idea that like brands have to change their complete identity to fit into the mold of today. Right. So I like kind of and maybe you like have a thought about this that there is a way that like Sports Illustrated could present itself still maintaining its identity but putting a spin where it was more i guess accessible to what the the world is now cuz i think that there's yeah. so many platforms that are now doing the exact same thing and there's no really specific brand identity well i think i think the athletic yes. um is the, is the closest thing where they, they yeah. They do have long form stories. Um, and maybe that's what Sports Illustrated should have thought of. But right. putting the name on on products um and not writing in photography sort of is is an anti-approach to it, in my opinion. It sort of cheapens it. I mean, there's a there's an SI sports book. Um you know, gambling. And to me, it's not a fit there, but there had, you know, there had to be something where they could created something online. They, I mean, they had a website, but it was a news website. It didn't, it didn't give you, it it gave you the vault of SI stories, Mm -hmm. you know, from the past, but it really didn't capture what needed to be captured. And, and no, you know, and they've, they've tried to, They've tried to change it um, in terms of putting the name on things, but it just hasn't worked. Yeah. I would, thinking about it further, I would almost argue that in like nowadays, right? Like the attention of those that are just scrolling on whatever platform they're going to look at, it's, you have like less than two seconds to even grab somebody's attention. And I wonder that with what the SI brand stands for, which is, you know, quality writing and quality photography if that has a place on these platforms when the attention span is just, it's just so low that I almost worry that the younger generation still wouldn't even value it. No, I mean, that's true. I mean, if you look at Sports Illustrated, even I've been gone 17 years mm-hmm. and and even at the end of my time there, the magazine changed mm-hmm. into <clears throat> shorter stories, right? more photography. Mm-hmm. Um, more quick bites yep. like you get on the internet. Mm-hmm. So it did it did change, but it didn't change enough. Yeah. And like I said before, you know, people may be responsible for its demise, but on the other hand, maybe what Sports Illustrated was had run its course. Right. You know, I'm not smart enough to know yeah. exactly what the deal is but yeah do your yeah. students um do your students read like the athletic do they read like more long form stuff do they give you that kind of feedback very very few mm. um in my sports media class i go around the room and i said where do you get your sports information <laughs> even espn is not there yeah well, i, was I mean it's it's, it's alerts 
-hmm. it's alerts and it's quick stuff. Um, but, and maybe they, maybe they have ESPN on X, but they, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Which interested in me, and I would love to get your thought on this is with, with what we've just been discussing, what do you think this means for the future of the sports journalism industry? Are we really going to see this complete, I'm going to call it 180 shift over to like, you know, quick bites, you know, something that you can read in a short amount of time. What are your, what are your thoughts there? I think that's exactly right. I mean, I, I think that it's, it's, and it's already changing. Um, People just don't spend the time to read stories. I mean, Students don't read books. Right. Um, I had a book that I suggested that they read um, this spring called So You Want to Work in Sports. And that's what the whole course is about, careers in sports. And I started talking about it like in the third class. And I said, I have, I was asking them questions about the book. Mm. Two of the 29 read it. Um, they, they just... They have to they have to write a paper on it. So I'll get back at them then mm-hmm. and take off points. Wow. But they, you know, and so I've adjusted how I approach this. I approached that the book was going to be significant in my teaching. Mm-hmm. And then as I got into it and I realized these undergrads, and grads are much different, but these undergrads it's not going to make sense to them. And, and any sports career course has to have guest speakers. That's what makes an impact on them, <clears throat> whether it's in person or whether it's on Zoom. It's it's really important um, to have them because um, they don't have to they don't have to concentrate. <laughs> you know, it's just it's put in front of them and they're real life human beings. Mm-hmm. most of them very nice and friendly and smart and you know that's that's how they react yeah, yeah. it's um before you ask your question carly i just want to say it that stresses me out because i remember being in class and like you had to read everything from cover to cover because there could be something in there that you're going to be tested on <laughs> scares me i know um i mean so i so um I've been on them for coming in late and I've been on them for not reading the book. And then I stopped about the book. Mm-hmm. I just stopped and I said, and what I did, I didn't have the assignment as one of their five papers. Mm-hmm. And I changed it to giving a review of the book uh-huh. just so I had some control over. So I'm really, so I've really abandoned the book. Mm-hmm. And and what the book is, it's people in the sports industry talking about their careers. It's not like a deep, heavy thing it's something that you would want to read i would think well, absolutely so. it's not like bio 101 <laughs> or something. exactly exactly yeah. yeah yeah well kind of going more a little bit more into your teaching um you have you're both at montclair state and rutgers um what advice do you do you give to your students as they start off their sports career or with a master's program try to continue on in their sports career Undergrads that major in sport management either are serious or 
they're a sports fan and they don't know what else to major in. I can attest to that. Yes, that was right? that was how my classes were. <laughs> and I tell, you know, there are a lot of professors in our program that say it's a long shot to work in sports. And I totally disagree. I feel that if you do all the right things and you sacrifice and you, and I have examples of students that have, um, I have one woman now who is actually, after working with the NHL and Madison Square Garden and the NFL, she's now, um, she's now having her, she has her own company called Elevate Sports Talent. And she's helping people get jobs and she's, uh, you know, publishing all this material and, and stuff. Well, she had six internships in college. I've got students at Montclair State that are seniors and haven't done one. Um, wow. you, and also being proactive, asking for informational interviews, um, you know, creating a network, getting to know people. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys did that and that's what separated you. And I tell them, you have to separate yourself. Why, why is someone going to hire you and not the other person? You have to separate yourself and sort of figure out what your niche is and go after it. Um, people aren't coming to you. Mm -hmm. you. You know, you can sit, you can, I mean, my situation, what if I hadn't gone to that seminar mm -hmm. and just sat home and watched sports on TV? Where would I be now? I don't know. Um, hopefully it would have all worked out, but you just have to take advantage of opportunities and, Believe it or not, and maybe you've had this, the same experience, but a lot of them I can't get through to. They don't, they don't get it. They don't understand. You know, I say, guys, when my guest speakers come in, you know, they're they're not only there to speak to you, introduce yourself, talk to them. Yeah. If they're not doing something that you want to do, maybe they know somebody that does. Right. Um I had a former student who's now in premium sales with the Yankees and he came in and he was, he's terrific. He's spoken to my classes for a long time. And he was just, he was talking about um, all these great things that people seem to be responding to and said, I'm happy to, you know, email me. I will get back to you. I'm happy to help. Two of the 29 sent him an email. I mean, he, there's a limit to what I can do, but it just is frustrating because they can make it happen right. and they're being told how to do it, mm -hmm. but they're not doing it. And it's so, frustrating. Yeah. And it's cliche, but network, network, network. That's the thing that gets you places. Exactly. And like, I'll tell you an interesting story. A few years ago, a few years ago, I had a student in my undergrad class and I, at, in that class, I had them write reaction papers to every speaker mm -hmm. and he said this speaker um just repeated things that we've been hearing from every speaker the mm -hmm. same thing over and over and i said well are you incorporating those things he said no <laughs> so so that's why we have to beat you to death with it right you know oh my gosh that's funny i just thought that was so funny yeah yeah well you're definitely Doing some service, getting these kids in line. <laughs> well, I hope so. I mean, I've had I've I've had some um, students that have become really stars in the industry, um, and it's really gratifying. Yeah. Um, 
and e even if there was a lit, just a one thing I said that maybe helped them, it makes me feel good. Um, well, that's great. Um, that's really awesome. And we really appreciate you coming and speaking with us today. We loved all the oh, stories. This was and fun. Your insight I enjoyed was so I great. Well, thank you. And you asked some great questions. Thank you. Well, um, we're going to yeah. wrap up here. You guys know where to find us. Next one up podcast at gmail.com. Next one up podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. And we will see you guys next week. Bye.